Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Picture the scene. You've set the table. The king has just given his first Christmas speech to the nation. And you're squeezing round the table for what is arguably the most anticipated meal of the year. Christmas dinner is a tradition centuries in the making, as is the stress that comes with it. The usual questions have been running through your head in the final run-up. Have we definitely got enough food? Is Cousin Peter still vegetarian? And are we going to bother with sprouts this year? But 2022 is different. The cost of food has been rising at a higher rate than we've ever seen before. Recent figures claim the cost of the items that make up a traditional Christmas dinner have risen three times faster than wages this year. So with lots of us cutting back and changing our plans and figuring out where we can make savings, there's an important question that needs answering. I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, can you cut the cost of Christmas dinner? Investigates is brought to you by the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. We've got new episodes out every fortnight, diving deeper into the issues that matter. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, give us a shout on social at WitchUK or send us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, we go back in time to hear how the humble turkey wasn't always the festive centrepiece it is now. In the Victorian era, it was a luxury item because it required a lot more intensive farming. And the goose has always been associated with deep winter festivals back as far as ancient Egypt. Rural communities would often have a goose or several geese, and they were quite cheap to feed. I find out if air fryers could offer a cheaper way to cook our Christmas dinner. Most of the time, an air fryer is going to be cheaper to run than an oven, partly because it cooks things quicker and partly because it has a smaller thing to heat up. So if it only takes three minutes to preheat compared to an oven, that's a lot less wasted energy. And we go behind the scenes at which to reveal exactly how we conduct our famous taste tests. 
So at which we really like to plan ahead. So we actually start planning these taste tests really early in July. And that's when we start kind of calling in samples from supermarkets and getting together like our expert panels. And then we actually do the taste tests in September. So yeah, we do start quite early. If you're a loyal witch listener who catches the episodes as soon as they come out, then Christmas is just a few days away. If you're listening to this late and Christmas has already passed, then you may as well skip this one unless you really dig Christmas dinner chat. Maybe you're listening in the car on your way to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, or maybe you're on the way to the supermarket for the dreaded Christmas food shop, which can land you with a fairly eye-watering bill. At which we've been tracking food inflation since the start of the cost of living crisis. And earlier this month, we revealed just how much these costs have been rising. I'm going to invite producer Rob to join me. He's been crunching the numbers. What have you found, Rob? Hi, Grace. Yeah, here's the headline. So we found that the prices of supermarket own brands and budget ranges have actually gone up by more than premium and branded foods during the cost of living crisis. So some products, get this, have seen increases of up to 175% over the last 12 months. Gosh, that is crazy. And it seems quite unfair as well. Yeah, so what we did here is that we tracked the annual inflation of tens of thousands of food and drink products at eight major supermarkets. Now, these include Aldi, Asda, Lidl, Morrison's, Ocado, Sainsbury's, Tesco's and Waitrose. And we did that to see how inflation is impacting everyday products. And this is actually something that we're going to be doing monthly from now on. If you look a bit closer at the data, supermarket-owned brand and budget ranges, they've gone up by an average of as much as 18% year on year. And that compares to around 13% for premium owned brand ranges and about 12% for branded foods. Right. And what about specific items? Where have you actually seen the highest increases? Yeah, so the best example, I suppose, to give of the the highest increase, that's Waitrose chocolate chip all butter shortbread. That was 82 pence now £2.25. That's a rise of 175%. That is crazy. Now, of course, we should say that budget lines still tend to be cheaper than branded food and drink. So here at which we believe that supermarkets should be doing more to ensure that they are widely available throughout all branches. That includes the smaller convenience stores. And you can sign our petition campaigning for this at which.co.uk forward slash affordable dash food. Thanks, Rob. Do sign that petition, please, if you're listening, because it's a really important cause. It's clear that Christmas is going to cost more this year. There's no two ways about it. It may feel unaffordable for some families. But there are still savings to be made, and we'll go through these later on. But first, we're going to take a trip back in time with food historian Emma Cornell Stoffer. We asked her what Christmas looked like a hundred years ago. 
If we look to the Edwardian era coming out of the First World War, the Roaring Twenties, there was not a move away from excess. People still enjoyed their uh, Christmas festivities, but uh, the fridge hasn't been invented as we know it today. And so people would have still eaten seasonally. And if you were lucky enough to live on a country estate and you had a cultivation of seasonal vegetables, you would have obviously had the with your meal. Can I just say, when someone says 100 years ago, I definitely still think they're talking about Victorian people and not the Roaring Twenties. Please tell me I'm not alone on this. Anywho, Christmas back then was a time to splash out for those who could afford to. But what did that typical meal actually consist of? Christmas dinner, if you could have afforded to, would have been turkey, you would have had your roast potatoes and not your pigs in blankets as we know them today. Pigs in blankets are very much a post-war invention, although pork has had a strong association with Christmas festivities and, and feasting back to the medieval period. And so your pigs in blankets as today would not necessarily have been there. Well, well, well. So what about the centrepiece? Emma mentioned there that the wealthier in society would have eaten turkey, as we do today, although that wasn't the case for everyone. In the Victorian era, it was a luxury item because it required a lot more intensive farming. And the goose has always been associated with deep winter festivals back as far as ancient Egypt. Rural communities would often have a goose or several geese and they were quite cheap to feed. At the end of the year you would have that at Christmas time. It wasn't until in Britain in the 1950s that turkeys were cultivated on the airfields of Norfolk which obviously brought the cost down and shunted the goose to a much more luxury item. I must say, all this talk of festive food is getting me quite hungry. Excessive amounts of food and drink are probably what I associate most with Christmas Day. And for me, it's about so much more than that main meal. We always start with salmon bellinis and end with Christmas pudding and brandy cream. A little later on, the cheese comes out and the day usually ends on the sofa with chocolate. Here's what witch journalist Shafali Loth has been noticing over the years. Your starters, they change with the times, it's whatever's popular. So maybe in the 70s and 80s, it might have been a prawn cocktail. In the 90s, it moved over to canapes. And I think in recent years, Christmas dinner starters tend to be more relaxed, maybe shared platters, you know, a centrepiece that people will pick at. I guess the biggest change I'd say would be really there has been a huge rise in vegetarianism and veganism. And so you'll see actually that most supermarkets now have at least one vegetarian and one vegan offering for a main centrepiece for Christmas too. And that might be a plant-based meat joint or even a mushroom wellington or something like that. A plant-based Christmas dinner is becoming more and more popular. According to the statistics website Finder, there are 3.3 million vegetarians in the UK and 16 million who were reportedly considering going meat-free by 2023. 30 years ago, I gave up eating meat. 
there was no options, you know, it was pretty sparse. If I just had a Christmas dinner without the meat, whereas now you can go into a supermarket and there are several options. So this year we've noticed in the testing that we've done at which there are some fake meat joints, like a fake turkey crown, which I've not really noticed before. Regardless of the centrepiece we go for, there is a lot of pressure to make Christmas dinner as special as possible. Back in 2015, the Money Advice Trust carried out a study which found that 23% of the people who responded felt under pressure to spend more that Christmas than they'd originally budgeted for. And that psychological pressure is something that's bound to be higher than ever this year, given the fact our budgets are tightening at a rate of knots. So let's look at where we can make savings, starting with where we buy our Christmas food. So in our analysis this year, we found that Asda was the cheapest of the larger supermarkets to do your Christmas shop at. So we looked at a basket of 10 items that included a mix of branded and unbranded goods, which included turkey, your Christmas pud, sprouts, parsnips, potatoes, everything you need for your Christmas table, and found that at Asda it would cost you £30.72. So Waitrose was the most expensive in our analysis at £43. So there was a difference of... £12.28 between Asda and Waitrose. This is Hannah Walsh, a senior researcher in our investigations team. Now, since turkey's the most expensive component of a Christmas dinner, how much will the festive bird be setting us back this year? So for your turkey, Aldi and Lidl were equally priced. They were £15.49 for a medium turkey crown compared to Waitrose's £25. Hannah also looked at how much the price of turkey had risen compared to last year. And it was Morrison's that saw the biggest increase. Their turkey was up 26% since the same time last year. And this didn't even take into account the potential impact of avian flu. Even though retailers have assured us we'll still be able to get hold of turkeys this year, supply is expected to be lower, which could put up prices even further. Coming up, we'll take you behind the scenes of our legendary witch taste tests and give you the lowdown on some of the best value products available to buy this Christmas. Hello, I'm Lucia, the host of the Witch Money podcast. Each week, we're here with the very best advice to help you through the cost of living crisis and make your money go further. With new episodes out every Friday, we cover everything from energy bills to pensions and property to help you get the best deals and ensure you're not getting ripped off. Just search Witch Money wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Witch Investigates, with food prices rising quicker than ever, we're asking, can you cut the cost of Christmas dinner? Cutting corners on price, but not quality, is a delicate art. But that's where the Witch product testing team comes into its own. So at which we really like to plan ahead. So we actually start planning these taste tests really early in July. And that's when we start kind of calling in samples from supermarkets and getting together like our expert panels. And then we actually do the taste tests in September. So yeah, we do start quite early. It does feel a bit strange. I remember when there was like that heat wave in July and we were just having meetings about what kind of mince pies we wanted to test. Uh, It felt very bizarre. This is Rebecca Marcus, a senior researcher in the product testing team. 
quite a lot of our taste tests, particularly our big Christmas ones, are done with an expert panel. So we recruit around four experts. Sometimes they can be quite well-known faces. So for example, this year we actually had a few Great British Bake Off contestants judging our mince pies, which is really exciting. The tasting is blind, so they don't know which products they're trying. They can't be influenced by brands or anything like that. And then once they've tasted all the products, the panel discuss them, they agree overall scores and which deserve to be best buys. We also do some consumer panel taste tests, which tend to be more kind of everyday items. So for those, we collect scores from a much larger group of people, usually kind of 60 to 80 regular consumers of the food and drink that we're testing. And these are kind of really great for our everyday essentials. Rebecca also told me how they're including cost of living in their approach. Obviously, we want to do all that we can to support consumers in navigating the cost of living crisis. And we know that lots of people will be switching to cheaper options to save money, but they still want great tasting food and drink. So we've really tried to make sure that we're offering those recommendations with our taste tests. And it's really shown that choosing cheaper options doesn't mean you have to settle for less. We've uncovered some really great budget options this year, which we highlight with our great value logo at which. So these are the products that score well, but also offer outstanding value for money and we found some kind of really good value options for all kinds of things mince pies christmas puddings irish cream liqueurs so there's some good options out there you can find more details of those results on the witch website and i'll pop a link in the description for today's episode but here's a few of rebecca's top picks In our Bailey's taste test, I mentioned that we compared it against cheaper supermarket-owned label Irish cream liqueurs. We actually found a really good value option from Aldi. So it was £8 at the time of testing, and that was a real standout. We also found in our mince pie taste test, so Waitrose won that one, but again, Aldi was the runner-up, and its mince pies cost half the price of the top-scoring pies, so they're definitely worth trying. And then moving over to our champagne test, so Tesco was our top scorer there, and that's obviously doesn't come cheap, but it's still considerably cheaper than going for one of the big brand champagnes. Now, naturally, I asked Rebecca for the names of these products so that you, our listeners, can look out for them in the shops. And they are the Aldi Specially Selected Irish Cream Liqueur, Waitrose Brown Butter Mince Pies, Aldi Specially Selected Mince Pies, and Tesco Finest Premier Crew Champagne. We all know that it isn't just the price of food that's been rising. Energy bills are never far from my mind, especially when temperatures plummet like they did in recent weeks. So it stands to reason that lots of us are looking for ways to use less electricity and gas in the kitchen. Food historian Emma Cornell-Stoffer told me that some of us are even returning to traditional cooking methods. There was a coal crisis at the start of World War One, and obviously we know that there was a fuel shortage in World War Two, And hay boxes, which are literally as it is described, so they're approximately quarter of a metre by quarter of a metre. It just depends. There are companies that do sell them. So you look at the size of your pot, you do half an hour's cooking, maybe an hour if it's a larger piece of meat, and then you will put that into this box, which will be packed with hay, and you wrap the saucepan in a blanket, and that insulates it and keeps it cooking without having to use any fuel at all. Slow cookers, they're really fashionable. So another way of not 
firing up your gas or your electric oven, it keeps that cost down. And air fryers, which are a very much a, a recent kitchen gadget. Health and safety first, please, if you're thinking of dabbling in hay box cooking. And can I just say, we did manage to get more than halfway through an episode about cooking Christmas dinner during a cost of living crisis without mentioning air fryers, which I think we should be very proud of. They are all the rage right now, and I'm sure they're at the top of lots of people's Christmas lists. So do they actually save you money? Most of the time, an air fryer is going to be cheaper to run than an oven, partly because it cooks things quicker and partly because it has a smaller thing to heat up. So if it only takes three minutes to preheat compared to an oven, that's a lot less wasted energy. This is my witch colleague, Harry Kind, who knows a lot about air fryers. The problem is you're talking about such small numbers in all of this. It's pennies that you're saving. And even if an air fryer was on average about a third or maybe a half the cost of using an oven, if it's only 10p and you're spending £100 on an air fryer, it's probably not going to be a quick solution for you. I really wanted to get into these numbers more. And helpfully, Harry had just been involved in some research that had looked at exactly that. In our tests in the lab, we used a whole load of kind of cooking appliances, oven, air fryer, hob, pressure cooker, slow cooker, across kind of keeping the recipes consistent. So we did like a roast chicken. In an oven, that took 76 minutes. It cost 39p in electricity. Not bad. An air fryer, 53 minutes. So what's that? 23 minutes less and 18p. So, uh, you know, about half the price. A little bit of a time saving, but actually I was surprised how little it costs to cook a chicken in an oven. Basically, it means that you'd have to cook 476 chickens in air fryers compared to in ovens to save that initial £100 cost of an air fryer. That's a lot of chickens, although not all air fryers cost the same amount. And obviously the number will be smaller if you go for a cheaper model. But if you do go for a cheaper model, do note it's likely to have a smaller capacity. What will slow you down, however, is if you have to take food out and put food back in again because there's only room to cook one food at a time. For example, we cooked roast chicken, roasted vegetables and Yorkshire puddings. Using the oven, that was easy. You chuck them all in at their different points and they're sharing the heat. With an air fryer, you have to cook the chicken, take that out, put it under foil, put the roasted vegetables in, turn them, take those out, put the Yorkshire pudding in. And actually that can end up taking more time because there's just no overlap in the cooking time. So what do we make of using an air fryer to cook Christmas dinner in this year? I'd say you could probably make a Christmas dinner in an air fryer, but I would not suggest doing so. A Christmas dinner in an oven is a very efficient cooking method. You put on the oven, it is on for the amount of time to cook a turkey, and at the same time you put in the roast potatoes, you put in the roast veg, you put in the Yorkshire pudding, you can put in the pigs in a blanket, and it's all sharing that same heating space. You are being very efficient in that sense. Whereas an air fryer, not only would it be inefficient because you have to keep taking things in and out, but it's just going to mean that you spend all of Christmas with a drawer in your hand. But all's not lost in our quest to save some cash. As we've already heard, where suitable, the air fryer definitely is cheaper to run, if, of course, you can afford that initial outlay. When it comes to air fryers, they can be a third of the price to run in terms of electricity compared to an oven. That's great. So it's really best for people who are often using an oven, who maybe live alone, cooking in small portions, they like chips, 
then you could very easily save a lot of money. But a bigger family who's not using the oven that much, it will take a long old time before you see any kind of return on that original investment. So even if you can cook your Christmas dinner in the air fryer, it doesn't necessarily mean you should. Throughout today's episode, I've been trying to find ways to save money on Christmas dinner this year. We've looked at the great value labels that you can spot in the supermarkets and how to cook in the most efficient way. But what about leftovers? I've always got loads after Christmas and those betwixtmas meals can feel a bit samey. Most of us, if we're catering at Christmas time, or even if we're not, we tend to have more food in the house. And obviously, the risk that comes with that is that there's lots of food waste, which we want to avoid, especially at the moment when we're all strapped for cash. For years, people after Christmas dinner, the next few days have been eating turkey sandwiches or turkey curries, bubbling squeak, etc. But actually, there are loads of things you can do with leftovers. And some, you know, you can be really simple and make sandwiches or you can go all out. Here are Shafali's top tips for making your leftovers go as far as possible. Looking online, there are hundreds and hundreds of recipes to give you ideas, but if you've got lots of roasted veg left over, you could add that to a carb to make a kind of tray-baked salad. You could also blend it to make a soup. Something that I always have left over after Christmas is lots of cheese. And I think the really important thing to do is, remember, you can freeze it. So if you've got leftover turkey and you don't want to be eating it for five days after, then put it in the freezer and use it later on. You can freeze gravy, you can freeze excess cranberry sauce, anything really from your Christmas dinner that you don't want to use over the next couple of days. Put it in the freezer and that will avoid you wasting it. So maybe it's not so much the air fryer, but the freezer who'll be our real hero this Christmas. Thanks for listening to this festive episode of Witch Investigates. We'll be back next week with a very special episode as I team up with producer Rob and the host of the Witch Money podcast, Lucia Ariano, to answer the questions our listeners have been getting in touch with over the last year, which we haven't been able to cover. If you get a chance to listen back to any of our previous episodes over the Christmas period, we'd love if you could leave us a rating and a review. And if you like Witch Investigates, there's a good chance you'll enjoy the Witch Money Pod. It's a weekly podcast dedicated to personal finance and making your cash go further. We've also got Witch Shorts, where you can listen to our top-rated magazine articles. For more of our free advice to help with the cost of living, you can visit witch.co.uk forward slash cost of living, which is packed with useful guides. We've also got the Affordable Food for All petition, which could really do with your backing. Find it at witch.co.uk forward slash affordable dash food. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer. And our executive producer is Angus Farker. A special thanks this week to everyone in the retail, food and product testing teams here at Witch. And I'll be back soon for our next investigation. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. 